Welcome to Momentum Church. Greetings to everyone else's today and just welcome you all to Momentum. I'm Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. If you're a guest, again, it's good to have you. And today I want you to begin to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, as we get ready to open up a new series over the next few weeks, kind of sandwiched between Mother's Day and Father's Day, we're going to be doing a series called Home Cooking. How many like some home cooking? No, no? How many? How many? Like your mama cooks the best. Anybody? Like, we all feel like our mama's the best cook, right? And that's how I feel. And, but we're going to go into this series. And, and sometimes when you think of a, a family life series like home cooking, you'll, you'll, you'll find people that will start to discount themselves. Like, is this series for me because I'm a single? You know, can I tell you something? Yes, it is, right? It, well, this series, is it for me? Because, you know, I, I, my, 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 I've been married and divorced and, 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 and remarried. And so this is for you. Is this series for me? I don't have that, that family that, that, that got married, stayed together, had kids. and all. No, my family's blended, you know? Man, we got some incredible blended families here at Momentum. Amen? And so, you know, yes, this is for all of us here. You know, maybe you're a student, high schooler or, or, or college student, and you're thinking, well, I'm not even thinking about family. You're a part of a family, and you'll be a part of an extended family, and this is for everybody. This is for, like, everybody, this is for everybody. Amen? And, and, and all of us have, have moms. All of us have, have people that we grew up around that home cooking was something that, that you just appreciated so much, and, and it's the same for me. There was something about my mom and my, my grandma. Uh, just They could make anything taste better which caused a lot of fights at first with Amy, you know? Because it was, well, that's not how my mama, well, you ain't living with your mama. <laughs> which is true, you know? But, but there were some things that my wife actually learned from my mother. My, my wife, for being who she is, you know, a Yankee, she can make some collard greens. I'm telling you, my wife can make some collard greens, as good as my hillbilly mama. My mother taught her how to do that, that, that home cooking. When I think of my grandma and my, my, my mama, I, I think of an iron skillet. How many your moms made cornbread in iron skillets? Yeah. Did you ever put this in the dishwasher? No. You push this in the dishwasher, you go straight to hell. You do. It's like, it's a sin. You cannot do that. You know, and you keep it, it's still a little greasy. You always keep a little bit of oil or something in it to keep it like seasoned and nice. And, and there was just something about the way they would do it that make that cornmeal mix and, and put the lard. I mean, I know you're not supposed to do that, right? It's a different era, but I just, I'm just saying. Put that lard in there first and put it in that preheated stove, 475 degrees. Let that lard get so hot. Then take a little of that cornmeal batter and just, just sprinkle a little of the dry flour before, not the wet stuff, the dry stuff, right? Get that, ooh. Then pour the batter on top of that. Come on. And, and I love my grandmother. She would always do something like this. She would say, when she put the cornbread out for, for supper, she would say, now don't you lay a knife on my bread. You snap yourself a piece off. Because if breaking bread was good enough for my Jesus, breaking bread is good enough for us. Isn't that cute? I love, I love that old, just that old, you know, hillbilly Kentucky mama kind of wisdom. But that's how she wanted us to snap, snap yourself off a piece of that bread. You know, that was home cooking. And she wanted your hands snapping her bread off. She didn't want no knife laid upon it. There was just something about it, very tactile. She wanted to see her family breaking bread together. 
And so they just knew, though, whatever it was they were cooking, you know, my other grandma, man, she would make some Reuben sandwiches. She incredible. Like, whatever they were cooking, they could just do it with the perfect ingredients, you know? And, and they knew what it needed to create the most amazing experiences for their family. And, and what a blessing those experiences were to our family growing up. Anytime we go see my dad's mom, man, we could get there at 1130 at night. And she was going to be like, y'all want some, like, like salmon patties? You know, no, no. Not 11.30 at night, but she was going to make us something. You know, midnight, she's going to cook. Why? Home cook. And there's something about it. It's a blessing. And those, those moms and, and grandmothers, they knew that. And the thing with it, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to the experience that God wants us to have, when Jesus was building his spiritual family, gathering his, remember, because he said, who's your mother? You know, who's your brothers and sisters? And he's pointing, we're the brothers and sisters. We're the family. We're the moms and dads. It's a spiritual family. And as Jesus was building his spiritual family, he knew the ingredients that he felt were important if they were going to be blessed and if they were going to be a happy family. And so what I want us to do together as a family today, I want us to stand to our feet to read God's word and um, turn to Matthew. <clears throat> Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. And we're just going to read through this. We've heard this. It's the Beatitudes. But these are ingredients. And over the next few weeks, we're not going to preach on all eight of them. But over the next few weeks, I'm going to jump into some of these Beatitudes that I believe are some incredible ingredients that will help us have a, a, a family that is blessed. A family that has the happiness of God dwelling in. It says, In seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Man, there's times in my family with my little ones, and they're arguing, they're fighting. I'm just thinking, I'm like, mercy. You know? <laughs> Lord, <laughs> we need mercy to show up, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed, aren't, aren't, don't, can't you see these ingredients playing out in a home? Like, this is what we need to have, these kinds of ingredients. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name. Pastor, I think it breaks down there. No, 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 no. Trust me, the Christian family that sets standards, listen to me, the Christian family that uses this as their guide more and more in our culture and in our world is going to be persecuted. Okay? This fits perfectly. Yeah, all the blessing, all this good stuff, but guess what? You're walking after those ingredients, and there's people that are going to persecute you. We should be ready for that. Amen? Say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, we thank you that all through your scriptures you give us ingredients, Lord, that if we apply them to our life, just like mom and grandma, when they make those dishes that were just so amazing, God, when we apply ingredients to our life, God, we can walk in your blessing. In Jesus' name, help us to know these things in your name. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. 
We can see here the Greek word makarios, this word for blessing. And, and, and I want to give you the definition of makarios. It, it means blessed or supremely blessed. How many want to be supremely blessed in here? Man, there's people not raising your hands, so you want to be cursed? I say, how many want to be blessed? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's supremely blessed, it says. Fortunate, well off. I love that. Happy. It, literally, it's an extension of God's grace and his benefits is what makarios is. It's not just happiness that is dependent upon circumstances, happenstances, but it is a supreme blessing that calls you to realize you're in the grace and care of the Lord. And we want our families to be able to be blessed. We want our families to have those ingredients. And, and can I just be honest? I have children all across the spectrum of ages and and. and passions for God and all sorts of things, I'm still in progress. Amen? So I'm telling you right now, in this series, I feel like I'm a 400-pound man telling you all to eat salad. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I, I don't have it all figured out either. I'm not perfect. My family's not perfect. But guess what? We are, as a church as well, the family of God and the Wiseman family, we are being perfected. Amen? And that's why these ingredients are so important. Amen? When, when there, there's challenges to the ingredients, this doesn't change. Amen? So we honor those ingredients, and we look at those ingredients, and we strive for the perfection that the Lord points toward us, not perfection in ourselves, but perfection that comes through serving him. And I want to go to that, that idea of it's not perfection. Scripture calls it righteousness. And so that's where we're going to go today, all right? How many want to talk about righteousness? Amen. Matthew 5, verse 6. We'll go back up there a little bit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. How many want some good home cooking? You got to hunger and thirst for righteousness if you want to be filled. Too often we are filling our lives with things that don't matter most. And we wonder why we're not feeling satisfied or, as the scripture says, fulfilled. Well, if we're busying ourselves all the time with those things that don't matter most, I'm not saying bad things. I'm just saying if everything that doesn't matter most takes precedent over the thing that matters most, then it edges out that ingredient. It edges out what God wants us to focus on in our homes that would cause our homes to have makarios, to have blessing, supreme blessing. Amen? And so with it, you can see in the scripture two roles, Okay? It says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. So one role is ours. We have a responsibility to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's our responsibility. And what's so awesome about Jesus is there's always conditional blessings in Scripture. You just always see, you walk in this, you walk in that. And so we have our role, but praise God, you can't outgive God giving. You can't outdo God blessing. You can't outdo the grace of God. And so we walk in hunger and thirst after righteousness, and then he does this thing that he brings fulfillment and satisfaction. Amen? That's the only thing. We can't do that. <coughs> he brings that. And so in a sense, that's his role. Now, there is a bit of a caveat. To this, I want, you to, I want us to understand is we're not trying to be righteous to please God. Amen? 
You understand that, right? I'm not trying to be good to please God. I mean, that's part of it. What I want you to understand, because he has made us righteous through Jesus Christ. You hear that? He has made you. Louis, you are made righteous through Jesus Christ. Catherine, newlyweds, you're like, no, he's not. I'm married to him, Ross. None of us husbands. I get it. All right? All I'm saying is you have been made righteous through Jesus. So walking and hungry and thirsting after righteousness, trying to walk and live according to his word, it's not about what we're trying to do to please him. No, no. It's just because he's already made us righteous in him. It's our only reasonable response. You know what I think is unreasonable? I think it's unreasonable to hunger and thirst after everything else and wonder why you don't have what God wants for you. That makes it's unreasonable. Amen? Does it make sense? So it's not like I'm trying to be righteous to please him. No, he has made me righteous through Christ, and my reasonable response is to hunger and thirst after right relationship with him. Right living is really what righteousness is all about. Right living with God. I always think of a cross. Right living vertically. Well, me and Jesus, we have everything figured out. We're all good. I just treat people like crap. No, 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 no. Righteousness goes vertical, but think of a cross. It also goes horizontal. So it's right living with God and right living with man. All right? And it's a reasonable response. God, I want to live this word out before you and before others because you have positionally made me righteous. Now, practically, I want to wake up every day hungering and thirsting after that righteousness. And in doing so, I find, man, I find that home cooking. I find that ingredient. I find that, that thing that makes it so, so fulfilling, so good. So today we're looking at hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Imagine if you had a family, like every single person in the family saying, I want to live every day walking in the righteousness of God, walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Man, to have joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and, and gentleness and self-control. And I'm sure there's a Bible school teacher saying, Ross, you missed one. I probably did. But wouldn't it be awesome to be able to see that? And that's really what we're trying to teach into our our families and into our children. And that's really what we're trying to hold ourselves responsible to, is that we would walk after his ways. We would hunger and thirst after his ways. And the problem is, though, often we hunger and thirst after lesser things. The things that don't matter most. So in our home, let me ask you, what do you hunger for in your home? You know, what is it? What do you hunger for, you know? What do you protect? What do you guard? What do you value above other things? What, what would your kids say? We'll throw the children in here. What would they say? Mom and dad value this. This is how mom and dad spend their time. This is how mom and dad spend their money. This is where mom and dad's focus all lies. This is where mom and dad's attention all lies. Man, it's a heavy load when you think about it, right? So is it one of those things where, man, we're a family and we chase comfort. That's what we do. We're just always looking to please our flesh in the area of comfort. And so, you know, we have responsibilities, but if we want to do them, we do them. If we don't, we don't. We're going to do what we want to do. We're just chasing what we want. We chase comfort or we chase fun. And that's all we ever do. And we, we shirk other things, but we're chasing fun. Maybe, maybe kids would see or maybe the children, are, are, they chase popularity, on, on social media, you know? I, I was listening to a podcast recently, and a lady was saying how, you know, she has a social media presence, and man, one of her children was 
teenager, like early teen, 14 or so, 13, 14, and just said, Mom, I don't want you to post any pictures of me. I don't want you to tell stories about me. I don't want, and he challenged that mom because he said, I don't think it's genuine. Oh, but honey, and, but she realized, no, no, that's his, he, that, he feels that, and so there's some reality there, she, she felt. And so he got married not too long ago. Now, obviously, he's an adult now. And he's like, like he doesn't, he's not a social media guy. So the kid, they didn't post. She's like, I'm going crazy. I want to tell people, look what's happened. Here's the picture of my beautiful daughter-in-law and my son. And, but they haven't even posted yet. And it's been a couple months, and they probably won't, so I haven't. And she's conflicted. But, but he, he's like, this is what I value, you know. Our kids pick up on all those little, those little nuances, don't they? What is important? What do we hunger for? Do we hunger to win? Is that what we hunger for? Dad always has to be right. Mom always has to be right. Our family always has to be right. Our position always has to be right. Is that what we hunger for? To be best. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? I I applaud some of you tiger moms in here. (laughs) No, it's good in some ways. Push your kids forward. But you know what? I mean, like, is that everything? Is that everything that we're hungering for? You have to be the top, the this, the that. And so if we're honest, many of us in the past seven days, we have been hungering for things way above God or way above what God would want us to hunger. And so what do we do? When hunger is skewed, what do we do? We change our appetite, right? Is that what we do? We change our appetite. I, I know when I was 300 pounds, I loved Mexican food. Guess what? I still love Mexican food. I do. Amen? I'm serious. I think the marriage supper of the lamb will have tamales. I really, I really believe that. I do. Um, but you know what? I got away from the tortillas. I got away from the, the fried rice. I got away from, you know, the refried beans. I got away from a lot of that stuff. And, and I love to eat, you know, the vegetables and the meats and things like that. And, and man, it's like when I went back to try those things, it just would, it would, it would not set well on my stomach. After six, eight months of not having anything like that, it just didn't sit well. Does that make sense? And, my app, and it was like, you know what? I'd rather just have more of the vegetables and instead of all the bread and all the flour, the tortillas and stuff. I say that just to say my appetite had changed. And so when it comes down to it, that's what happens. When we hunger and thirst after righteousness, our appetites begin to change. And, 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 and didn't you notice that when you got saved? That especially early on in your salvation. Like what you craved for had a significant change in your life. You come to faith in Christ, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this just doesn't satisfy me anymore. Your appetite changed, you know. But then we kind of grow in our faith and grow in our, our lives, and next thing you know, it's, it, we start to go back to old ways and old things, and, and we stop hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and, and those old cravings start to come back. And so I just want to challenge us to think about that. What in life are we hungering that's our hunger levels more than our hunger level is for the things of God. Now, I do want to kind of go through some things that will work and some things that won't work. Is that okay? So what doesn't work and what works when it comes to increasing the hunger we have for God in our home? And so let's kind of first start where it doesn't work, all right? So number one, what doesn't work? Legalistic Christianity will not create hunger and thirsting for righteousness in your home. Amen? It may, it may create individuals that look 
nice and cookie cutter and perfect. And, and you know what I mean? <clears throat> but the thing about your kids is it, the window you have with them, it's not just the, it's, it's the course of a lifetime. And I believe in their youth, a legalistic Christianity will not serve them for a lifetime. Amen? may serve them for a season, but it won't serve them for a lifetime. And so Christianity is more, when legalistic Christianity is when Christianity is more characterized by what you aren't allowed to do than what you are allowed to do, you know? And obviously you don't want your kids smoking and drinking and stuff like that. I get it, right? But that old, I don't smoke, drink, cuss, or chew, and I don't date girls that do, right? That kind of form of Christianity, it's like, no, no, no. It's not about legalistic Christianity. That doesn't work. But on the other side, listen, lukewarm Christianity doesn't work either. Okay, so legalistic Christianity doesn't work, but lukewarm, you know, in other words, believing in God, but never living out of that belief, that doesn't work either. Believing in God, but your kids can't tell that he is the center of everything and your decisions and your, in your life and the things that you do. I'll just be honest. There's things that my kids and I disagree on, but they know without a shadow of a doubt what dad believes on. And I'll sacrifice everything for it. Everything. I can't, I, can't, I can't walk away from this. Amen? So, when it comes to this idea of lukewarm Christianity, if I'm, if I'm never leading the family in prayer, that would be a mark of, I believe, lukewarm Christianity. And I'm not just talking about, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I mean, like seasons where they find you taking them before the presence of the Lord in prayer. I think that can be a mark of being lukewarm. Um, if, if, you, if your kids have never seen you ever shut a, TV, uh, uh, shut a TV off or walk out of a movie theater, I think that could be a sign of lukewarm Christianity. You know? Man, it's, we're just not, this isn't what the stuff we watch. Again, it's not about legalism. I'm just saying there's things that, that the affections of the heart have changed because you hunger and thirst after you hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so the kids are seeing that, that it's not lukewarm. No, no, no. We don't just say we're Christians and live lukewarm. Our actions follow our beliefs. You know, if, if, if your kids don't see you, or even in your own life, let's take, separate kids. Let's talk about our own personal lives. If you're not going, what's the word say about this? What's the word say about this? What's the word say about this? If that's not something that's in your mindset, if it's just, well, does this make me happy? Is this what I want? Is this fun? Does this bring comfort? And you never find yourself asking the question, what does Jesus say about this? Is this pleasing to the Lord? Is this something God wants? If not, then I believe you're embracing a lukewarm Christianity. And Jesus, he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're neither, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Amen. So the Bible, though, says, this is, I'd rather have this than being spit, right? Ready? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's a whole lot better than being spit out of Jesus' mouth. Amen? Yeah. So what does work? If, if legalistic Christianity doesn't work and lukewarm Christianity doesn't work, what does work? What are those ingredients that work? And, and I kind of am going to tie these together. So what works is looking at yourself as not just a Christian family, okay? Well, we're a Christian family, you know? We're, we're, like, like we, we, we're believers, and, and we're a Christian family. We're a Christian family. 
but, but the family never sees any decisions that you make based in your Christian faith. Or the family is very often, you know what, It'll, I know we shouldn't this, but it's all right. You know? Well, no, we're not, just, we're not just a Christian family in label only. So the second part of this is we are not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. Does that make sense? So not just in name, Christian, as a Christian family. No, we're Christ-centered. Jesus isn't just a part of our family. We're a Christian family. He's a part of our No, no, no. He's the center of everything. And I've taught you this before. I've drawn it before on the, on the, the clear board. I don't like prioritizing. Jesus is first. Amy is second. I hate prioritizing. Okay? No, no. Jesus is in the center. And he affects my wife. And Jesus is in the center. And he affects my kids. And Jesus is in the center. And he affects my recreation. And Jesus is in the center. And he affects my, my parenting. And Jesus is in the center. And he affects my, my fun and my comfort and my decisions. He's in the center of everything. A Christian family, well, we're a Christian family, can have Jesus prioritized. Well, I miss that priority today, and I go on. But look how good this, 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 this. Look how good I am. I'm a soccer coach. Look how great I am. I do the after-school reading program with my kids at school. I help volunteer. Look how great I am. But very little are you pulling the things of Jesus back into the middle of everything. Hungry and thirsting for righteousness. And so, no, no, I'm not saying he's just a part of something. No, he is centered, central to everything. It's where we live today <clears throat> in our culture. It's one of those things where we live that, that people can call themselves a Christian family but not live Christ-centered lives. And we need to challenge ourselves on that. Are we hungry and thirsting after righteousness because he's at the center of everything? You know, think about it. You can call yourself a chicken. And, and, and balk, but if you don't lay an egg, you're not a chicken, right? Same way. We're a Christian family. Okay, okay. Are you hungry and thirsty? Where's, where's the, where, 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 what's God doing? What's he showing forth in that? Okay, amen? Passage in Psalms 63.1, it says it this way. This is kind of what it sounds like, this hungering and thirsting. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Man, does that sound like just somebody that is a Christian in name only? No, man, this is somebody that's hungering and thirsting after God. This is, this is somebody who is, is God-centered in their life. My, 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 my God, I, I seek you early. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Maybe we can retranslate it. In a family-friendly version or a family-focused version. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. Man, that'd be awesome. Amen? But so often, we have other things that we thirst, hunger, and long for, that we prioritize more, that we focus on more than hungry and thirsting after right living before God and before man. And so it can sound like this. Oh, travel ball, you are my God. And earnestly I seek you. We thirst for you, travel ball. Our whole family longs for you. You put your idol in there. I don't, I don't know what your idol is. I'm, I'm, I'll put, you know, 
Oh, Instagram followers and social media swag. <laughs> I'm throwing myself under the bus. I enjoy some social media swag. I do. Oh, social media swag. You are my God. I worship you. I seek you. I thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. Our family, we're, we're looking for a new car right now. Oh, my gosh. I just heard on the news because I've been looking, and I'm going, oh, my word. They, and then I heard on the news last night, the average, you ready for this, Danny? The average used car in America right now. Ready for this? The average used car. I'm so below average. But the average used car in America right now, $24,999. That's the average price of a used car in America right now. What in the, how, I mean, like, I can't tell you how many cars I bought that was like 800 bucks, 1200 bucks, 15, you know what I mean? $3,000 cars, you know? These call them payday cars. 24 grand, that ain't a payday car, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but we're looking, we're looking for, uh, our, 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 our excursion we had had almost 300,000 miles. This expedition we have has 256,000 miles. I mean, we, we love to travel with our vehicle, right? And so we're looking for expeditions. Oh, my word. I couldn't, I just did not even realize what things are costing right now when it comes to it, you know? I bought that expedition three or four years ago, $6,000, you know? You can't even buy that one for $6,000 now, you know? So if you want to, I'll sell it to you for, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Can I just put it in perspective? A hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so, oh God, you are my God. Oh and if you can afford this in tithe, go for it, okay? But I couldn't believe it. Oh, Chevy Suburban. No, oh, Cadillac Escalade. 140000 for a cat? It's a Chevy. Basically, it's all it is with fancy stuff, you know? I'm sorry. I just couldn't believe what I saw. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. <laughs> 2001 was 140 grand. What in the world, you know? I might as well have a Bugatti. Okay, so... No, but, but, oh, Chevy Escalade, and if you can afford that, that's fine, but, oh, Chevy Escalade, or, oh, Cadillac Escalade, you are my God, and I seek you, and I thirst for you, and then you're so, and I can't pay my tithes because I've got a $2,000 a month car payment. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't preach a lot about finances, but I live this, okay? I won't tell you what I gave away last year, okay? I live this. I love to give, Amen. But can I tell you this right now? If you have a car payment that's like that and you don't tithe, you do not hunger and thirst after righteousness, period. And I'm saying that with a little anger. I am. I'm mad at how, how tricked we are in our American world to think that it's okay to have that kind of house payment, that kind of car payment, and there's people all over this world that need to know Jesus, and we don't tithe. What in the world? Don't even call yourself a Christian. Amen. Now, when I say tithe, you take that up with Jesus. Is that 10% or is that a sacrificial, whatever the percent is, that take it up with Jesus. I haven't paid 10% in tithes in years. I won't. That's just a starting point. Amen? That's just how I feel, okay? But you take it up with Jesus. But I'm just saying, we can't say we're hungry and thirsting after right living before God and man if we're robbing the kingdom of the finances it takes to reach people. Amen? Now, pastor, are you saying that because we're having financial struggles at the church? We're not. And every time I say that, my board's like, don't say that. 
It seems like every time I brag on what Jesus is doing around here financially, the income goes down. It does. But how can you not brag on what Jesus is doing? Amen? It's just amazing. I mean, it's amazing what God's doing financially in this house, even through COVID last year. Amazing. And so thank, thankful for that, for the faithfulness of God here. And, I, and that's not in my notes. I'm just, I just, it just hit me that, whew, I just, it blows my mind. And you're right. There are times in my life where it's like, you know what? We can afford that but we can't be the givers that God's called us to be if we do that. And you know what's crazy? Is God's starting to let me be both. He's starting to allow me to be able to have the finances I need and give at the level I feel like God's called us to give at. Amen? It's been a lot of years coming, but thank you, Jesus. All right. There'll be people not come back. I'm sorry. All I'm saying is we can fill that in. Just think what it is for you, you know? You are, I seek you. I thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. You fill it in. What is it? And just be honest with yourself. And then, then if you're single, think about your own self, just your own life. What do you seek? What do you thirst for? What do you long for? What do you get up early for? Now, getting up early, that's a sacrifice. So for you, let's just say it that way. What do you sacrifice for? And that, and that kind of is where it, the rub is. Am I just a Christian or am I a Christ-centered person? That's where the rub is. Let me keep going. And so what we want to do when it does come to our families, because being Christ-centered, we want people to be able in our home to see how it's centered, like our children, to see how it's centered around God. And being Christ-centered, we want people to see God as lovable, approachable, and involved. And I'm going to preach more on this throughout the series, all right? But create an environment where God is shown to your family as lovable, as approachable, and is involved. And that, that can come a lot of different ways. Years of, of just involving God in all we do, you know? I mean, God's there, but just recognizing his presence. You're, 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 you're traveling, you see something amazing, something beautiful. Maybe it's a bridge that's just absolutely majestic. And you say, oh my gosh, look at that bridge. God gave somebody the wisdom to be able to create that structure. How phenomenal is the human brain and how God created man to have wisdom to create something that amazing, you know? And so you're honoring the, the person, but you're honoring the creator, amen? You see what I'm saying? Just always looking for ways to point to God, looking for ways to point to him as one that loves us and looking for ways to point him as not one that we're afraid of, you know? Your kid has stumbled in sin or has headlong went into sin. And you're still drawing them to the loving heart of the Father. He loves you. Even in the middle of what you're going through, you know, you know he loves you. He'll never stop loving you. Doesn't matter what you do, no matter how far you run, he loves you. And let your kids still know, no matter what goes on, that God loves them. And that God's approachable. And that God's involved. You know how you teach your kids that God's involved? From the very littlest, you start praying over boo-boos. God cares about that little thing. Because there'll come a time when it's a big hurt. And you want them to go into God when it's the little things. Because someday it'll be a big thing. Maybe even a thing they're too embarrassed to go to God for. And you want them to know God's approachable and he's involved in all those things. Amen? And I'll finish with these three real fast. Three ways to create hunger for God in your home. Number one, involve God in your daily conversations. He's just part of everything. He's just part of your life. He's just part of your communication. 
You know, I'm not going to preach on these long. Just involve them in your daily conversations. Whatever you're doing, we'll have to pray about that. Let's ask God what he, he feels about that. Well, let's see what the scripture says about that. It's just part of your daily conversation. You know, it can be the idea of, 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 you know, I was reading the word of God and this is what he showed me. It's just part of your daily conversations. Number two, make church non-negotiable. Well, I'm not going to drag my kid to church. You've heard it said before, like I had a drug problem. You've heard that? I got drugged to Sunday or Monday night, you know, prayer meeting, Wednesday night prayer meeting, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service. That's a drug problem. You know, no, no. Don't let church, if they live under your roof, it's non-negotiable. Amen? Make the priority of worship of your God. Listen to that. Are you just a Christian home or are you Christ-centered? How in the world, if you're a Christian home, Christ-centered home, make the priority of worship to your God non-negotiable. At least, at least being in the present, in the room. You know what I mean? It's, you don't have to, but, but this, this is what we do. This is who we are. This is what our family's about. We, we have a time to gather with believers. That's what we do. We have a time to lift our voices together in worship. That's what we do. We listen to the preached word of God and, and bring our lives up underneath what the word is saying because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And to have faith and not works is dead. And so we're going to listen to the word. I'm going to live the word. And that's what we do. And, and I know even right now you're watching from home. Man, I'm so proud of you watching from home. All right? I, I do. I challenge you. I do love the pandemic in this. Used to, people would miss a service, and they just missed it. It seems like now people miss services, and they watch it online. It's, there's a culture of being sure to catch it, catch it, catch it. Catch it always. Catch it every week, you know? You miss it for some reason, get the word in you every week, amen? But that's a priority, making church non-negotiable. Number three, show how seeking and serving God is fun, how it's enjoyable. Seeking and serving God. Early I arise, he said, and I seek him, you know? And that can be in your quiet time as you're seeking God. It becomes a part of the culture. Amy and I have quiet time in the mornings. Our kids just are used to that. They know that. And, they, and they'll, they're starting to have their times that are quiet. It's really neat to see, you know. And so make seeking God something that is fun, you know. You don't have to tell your kids to be good when you're seeking the one who is good. All right? And now listen, if they're not living good, that's not on you, in a sense, all right? I mean, you're training, okay? But you, you just keep showing that God is good, and if they're not seeking the one that is good, man, that conflict will take place. That confliction between them and God will take place, and God will work that out. And what you've poured into them, the Bible says they will not depart. They'll come that turning around, amen? And so we don't serve, I will say this when it comes to serving, we don't serve, Amy and I don't serve because we're pastors. We serve because we're believers. And to be able to have your children seeing that serving God is fun. You know, I've taught my kids since they were little. Wisemans contribute. That's my last name. Wisemans contribute. Wisemans don't just consume. Don't be a consumer. Don't be a consumer. Wisemans contribute. We don't consume only. Man, it's just try to make it a fun thing throughout our kids' lives to do, to serve, etc. All right? There's some good things in that. I haven't done it perfect, amen? And so, and you may say, but Ross, it seems unattainable and out of reach. Well, you're right, but that's where responsibility comes into play. It, the, the fruit we're striving for, but man, the responsibility, we bring that to bear every day in our own lives. And, and when choices are made to stray from hungering and thirsting, 
after God, then guess what? It causes home to feel uncomfortable. And too many parents want to make it to where it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. No, no, we hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is what we do. And if that's not something that you feel comfortable with, I get that. But we're not going to change the standard so that you can feel comfortable. Amen? Amen. Now, we're going to love deeply. and We're going to love fully. And we're going to make God approachable and lovable, etc. But we're not going to change the standard. Does that make sense? This is the standard. And so you're right. You don't feel comfortable. And you may have some children that are older teens or young adults or a 30-year-old that should have been kicked out a long time ago. Okay? And they don't feel comfortable with your rules. Well, are you being legalistic? That's the first thing to ask. Am I being legalistic or am I just not being lukewarm? And if you can answer that honestly, no, 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 I'm not being legalistic. I'm just not being lukewarm. Then that's the standard and it's not your job to make them feel comfortable. Amen? That's called conviction. You want that, amen? Don't relieve your children's conviction by acquiescing to the word of God. Don't back up from the word, amen? And um, I was talking to someone recently about this, and they said, you are responsible. This is when it comes to adult kids, and then we'll finish. You are responsible to them, but you are no longer responsible for them. So to them means I need to live good, I need to live right, you need to live good, you need to live right, you need a hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's being responsible to them, but you're not responsible for them anymore. And, and, and one of our staffers, Pastor Stephanie, I love what she said. She said when it comes to children, you know, adult children, God's not disappointed in you because your child exercises their free will. Amen? How many exercised your free will? Dude, I ran so hard after away from God when I graduated high school for the next six months. There wasn't a day that I wasn't hustling something, you know? I won't even go through all the junk I got myself into. I should have been in jail, amen? Not amen, right? <laughs> I really should have. But you know what? Mom and Daddy's standard never changed. In six months of this running, and I was in my room just down. I was just in my room not happy. I was in my room not fulfilled, not satisfied. Why? I wasn't hungry and thirsting after righteousness. And some, some people, it takes longer, a year, two years, five years, ten years. Some of you are still waiting for your children to come back to the things of the Lord. Don't beat yourself up. But for me, it was six months, and I was in my room, and all I could think of was the stuff I'm doing just doesn't bring happiness, lasting happiness. And that night, I rededicated my life to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit rebaptized me in the Holy Ghost. And it was just, it changed my life. Four weeks, or four months later, I went to work as an intern at a church. and been running with this ever since, you know? But you know what? Hit it hard. I love what Stephanie said. God is not disappointed in you because your child exercises their free will. <laughs> Think about mama's recipes. You can give them the recipe and all the ingredients. They're still going to burn the cake. Right? Just part of life. But where you stand in your own life, not legalistic, not lukewarm, but where you stand is in a place of responsibility. I'm going to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Standard of you. I challenge you to be responsible and like Joshua of old, you choose this day who you will serve. You choose this day to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. Joshua 24 15 said it, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? And I want to challenge us. 
That looks like what? The ingredients of hunger and thirsting after righteousness. Let's bow our heads. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.